on, let's give God some glory. How are y'all doing today? Come on, give God some glory. Everybody say amen. amen. I think we can do better than that. Everybody say amen. amen. Well, I want to welcome you in the house. Oh, come on, there's more than that in the house. I want to welcome you in the house this morning, the house of God. And I want to say a big shout out to those that are outside. If you cheer loud enough, we will hear you. Yeah, we heard you. And you that are online, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to be here. And I just want to, can we just take like two seconds real quick uh, as we get settled in? If you've got a coffee, go ahead and grab that, put that in your hand, because we are going to be like a horse, a racehorse out of the gate. I've got 30 minutes, okay? 30 minutes. And I haven't preached up in here for a few months, so I've got a lot of notes. I've got like 40 pages of notes, so you better hold on tight. Just... I'll just, just dictate it, okay? Let's just do that. Don't even try to think, no. <laughs> but can we just take two seconds and honor Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy? Now, here's why. Here's why. They have not taken a break this year. And it, you know how it's been to navigate you, your marriage, and your family through this season. They've done that, and they've helped to lead and navigate with the leading of the Holy Spirit, us, through this. So can we just take two seconds and just give them the loudest hand clap and applause? Come on. We are so grateful for them. Thank you, Pastor Phil. And thank you, Pastor Tammy. And finally, they just said, hey, we have, of course, how many of you ladies have been joining the uh, empowerment, uh, the, the, the program that you ladies have been going through, the 21 days? It's been amazing. And Pastor Tammy said, once we're done with that, we're going to take a little break. So they are actually out getting a little rest, reprieve, and refreshing of the Holy Spirit so be praying for them as they're gone this week, and they'll be back next week. So uh, who's excited about Kim Walker, too? Yeah. Well, and those of you that are joining us online, again, welcome. And if you're tuning in at another time of the day, uh, this is our Sunday service at Influence Church in Anaheim Hills. And I'm Nathaniel Snyder, and today I've been given the honor and privilege to bring the Word of God. So I'm just super stoked. I just want to say real quick as I get it, actually, the title for today is Assembly Required. Assembly Required. Can I hear an amen? amen? First off, assembly with our God and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is assembly himself, and he has invited us into assembling with him, and then we need to be assembling with each other. But I did a little wordplay, right? How many of you know toys like this? River, do you know this one? I've got my kids down here. Abigail's over here. They love Legos. But there's some things that come that it says assembly required. Some of you, like, I love Legos. So I'll, you know, Christmas, the kids think it's about them. It's about me. You know that, like, 1,000-piece Lego set that's, like, eight hours later? They get to play with it, but I get to build it. <laughs> assembly required. Some assembly required, but I want you to know the word play on today is God wants us to be coming together. And if you've ever built anything like this, half of the battle is keeping track of the pieces. If you've ever built something like this and you find out that one of the pieces are missing, it's maddening. Can I tell you that we live in a period of time where there are no pieces missing? Jesus Christ has came. He has come and he said, I'm coming so that the Holy Spirit can be poured out. In the Old Testament, there was a piece missing. It was this intimate, personal relationship with him. 
And now we live in a period of time where God's collecting his pieces. And I think what's happening, somebody sent me a verse this week. It was from Isaiah chapter eight. And it said, don't call conspiracy what they call conspiracy. And don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. Because I think what God's doing right now is he's collecting his pieces. Oh, did you hear me? There's a sifting that's happening. I saw somebody talk about the Republican convention and they said, how in the world is the Republican convention more evangelistic than some of the churches? I didn't get to watch any of it yet, so please send me the links if you want me to watch it. I'm, I didn't want to get distracted by all of that because I'm like purple now, like what is going on? We were off the checklist, now we're in purple. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So don't call conspiracy what they're calling conspiracy and don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. All right, I'm a little wound up, sorry. All right, so just real quick, Matthew 18 said this. Do not forsake, or sorry, not that. It says, where you are gathered, two or three, there I am in the midst of you. Okay, so I'm giving you this all as a bit of a foundation for what we're gonna get into. Where two or three are gathered, guess what? We're a little bit more than that, so hallelujah, hallelujah. I won't tell you how many are here, but hallelujah. But I remember even whenever we were cut down to like 10 and somebody said, Jesus couldn't even meet with his disciples even after he was resurrected and they were missing one. <laughs> How crazy is that? Just a side note. All right. The portion of scripture today that I'm going to read from Acts chapter 1. Somebody say Acts chapter 1. Let me get my Lego out of the way. We're going to get back to this in just a minute. I'm going to keep this here so my kids can see it. It may be a reward for them if they're really good. <laughs> incentive. Incentive. All right, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. And can I just say something real quick about our kids? Our kids' ministry is going to be opening up in just a few weeks. But in the meantime, we have an amazing outside pavilion that you can be there with your family. They've got kids' stuff out there for you. You can make as much noise as you want. And can I tell you, Pastor Phil's like, let the kids come in here too. You're not going to bother me with your noise. Can I tell you today, you will not bother me at all. I was a children's pastor for like six years. So you can scream, kick on the floor, lay down, pick your neighbor's nose, do whatever. You will not distract me, all right? So... Kids, you're welcome. All right, back into this. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to tear this apart, and we're just going to let God do what only he can do, because I'm just the messenger. Amen? Amen? Let's pray as you're turning in your Bibles. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this next few minutes that we have to share together. But most importantly, we are here in the name of Jesus Christ, and you said upon that confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, you would build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank you that the gates of hell will not prevent what's going on in this place, in the hearts that are represented here, in the homes that are represented here, in the city that is represented here, in the county that's represented here, in the state that's represented here, in the country that's represented here, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that you're doing something in our midst, within us, that is supernatural, and we can't quite put our finger on it, but we're okay with that, and we give you the permission to do that, God, in a greater capacity in the next few minutes and in the days of our lives that are to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. It sounds a little echoey up here, but that's okay. Makes me feel like I'm preaching in a bigger room. All right. I'm good with this one, though. I'm good with this one. All right. I just want to give you a bit of a foundation. Jesus Christ is already resurrected, and he has just spent 40 days with his disciples. They're on the Mount of Olives after they've been having this conversation on what they're to be doing. He's confirming with them the mission. He's confirming in them what's going to happen. And he gets to this conversation. It says, and being assembled together with them. Somebody say, and being assembled, and being assembled. together yeah. with them. Okay. This is a big group of people. When it got to the upper room, they said there was about 120. So let's, it's somewhere between like 11 
or 120, all right? So that's bigger than what we were supposed to be doing by law. Anyways, he commanded them, don't laugh at that. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Somebody say, wait for the promise. Somebody say, promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Verse five, for truly John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That was the day of Pentecost that was coming. Amen. Somebody give it a big shout out. Woo. And verse six, and therefore when they had come together, somebody say come together. They asked him, him is, uh, they is the disciples, him being Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? Verse seven, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put in his own authority. Somebody say his authority. But you shall receive power. Somebody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. Somebody say to me. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse nine, and when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. A cloud received him out of their sight. Verse 10, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood beside them in a white apparel. Verse 11, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven, go into heaven. Somebody say amen. You know, as I, just before I get into this, I want to make a quick comment. I believe we're living in a period of time, especially in the Western church, that if you need to, repent. I myself had to. But I believe we have gotten a little bit comfortable with maybe the way of life and all of those things. And I found myself saying, Jesus, am I really looking forward to your return? Am I really looking forward to your second coming? And that's really one of the things that prodded me to get into this. Am I looking forward to Jesus' coming? And then I was like, well, what's it going to look like? And so I had to rewind because he gave specific instructions what it would look like. So that's a side note. I want to get into some important things here. But are we looking forward to Jesus' coming? God's preparing us for his second coming. All right. Verse 4. And when they had assembled together, I just put this in my notes. No social distancing. Uncovered faces. I'm, listen, I'm about masks and I'm about social distancing but I'm not about the psychology behind it. I see people walking around covering themselves up. And listen, we need to take safety measures, okay? I want to be very diligent, and I want to be careful on this, but I don't want us to get to a place. Here's, here's why. Because I know uh, one of my cousins who lives in Pennsylvania has adopted a child from China. And when I was thinking about this social distancing, I couldn't help but get this, this little girl out of my mind and my heart. Her name is Sarah, and she's about the, kids, she's about the age of our kids and she has a, there's, uh, there's a part in her psychological uh, makeup that she doesn't do well with crowds. And she can only handle so much of other people. And of course, when we understand how they're raised and if their parents uh, do not want them, if they're disregarded, they are put into a room where they're isolated and they're basically social distance. This isn't, I want you to go home. I don't have the time to get into it right now. Go home and just Google and search social distance origin. And actually, psychologists said we need to remove that term and start saying physical distancing because social distancing means something different. So be careful. And I said they were gathered together and they weren't worried about what they were gonna catch. They weren't hiding themselves. And remember, what happened in Genesis? We sinned, and what did we do? We hid ourselves. I think what's happening, are people really afraid of the sin that's in them and are trying to hide it from God? I don't know. 
but God wants us to stand before him with unveiled faces because he has prepared a way for us to stand sinless and guiltless before him. Not that we deserve it. It's the righteousness of Christ that's in us. It's not my righteousness. It's but filthy rags. It's he. He has promised you something. Okay, no social distancing or face mask. Okay, cool. Those are permitted here. Yes, we do. If you're caring for somebody, if you have a caretaker, if you're, please do, please do. Anyways, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Have you ever had to wait for something? Have you ever had to wait for something? I want to give you a funny story. One time I had to wait, just recently, and God humbled me, but I had to wait for my family so long that I ran out of gas in our car. <laughs> no way. <laughs> this is my fault, right? I'm not going to be like Adam and said, that woman you gave me. <laughs> I ran the car too low on fumes and I had it parked in our driveway, which our driveway isn't big. It's like from me to Brandon Long and our car like was sitting on the slope and it went blah, 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 blah. And Eric was like, why'd you turn off the car? And I'm like, I didn't turn off the car. And I was like, it ran out of gas. <laughs> Thank the Lord that like I drifted it down to the flat part of the street and it was able to turn back on. <laughs> I was about to have to push us to the gas station. The funny thing is God has a way of humbling because I was going down the freeway and this tiny little van kicks a stone up, <laughs> cracks my windshield. I was like, Lord, I repent. I, rep <laughs> I mean, I was hot. Like, I wasn't laughing about it like I am now. I was hot. Like, come on, we're late. God says, yes, humble yourself. So I repent. So did you ever have to wait for something though? Did you ever have to wait for somebody? Maybe it was somebody waiting on you. Maybe you were waiting on them. But there's something that happens when you're waiting. Actually, David said this in Psalm 27. Wait on the Lord. And he will strengthen your heart. And be of good courage. Wait, O oh Lord. Wait on the Lord. I want you to know something. He said, wait. Jesus told them to wait. It was important that he had to say that. Because there were some amazing things that were about to happen. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued. Or until you have received the Holy Spirit. Um, have you ever, because he said, for the promise of the Father. Has anybody ever promised you something? Think back, maybe as a child. Has anybody ever promised you something? I remember sometimes I was hurt. You know, somebody maybe promised me a birthday gift and I didn't get it. It hurt. Has anybody, can anybody relate with me on that? You've, you got let down with the promise. Because what happens is when somebody promises you something, there's this period of time that you build up hope. I had somebody promise me something via, actually years ago, and it just came to pass a few months ago, this person had promised me something. They said, hey, I will help you get this. And I was like, great if they do, great if they don't, because I've been hurt before. But can I tell you, somewhere underlying in the deepest part of my recesses, there was this hope that it would come to be. And when it came to actually, the person called me and he said, hey, I've got this ready for you. Do you want it? I was like, has, what do you, have you ever had to wait for somebody? Has somebody ever promised you anything? God wants us to wait on him. He told his disciples to do that. And because he said, you have the promise, the promise of the father is about to come, which I've told you about. Can I tell you just a little bit about this? In uh, John 7, he said, in John 7, verse 39, he said, but I speak to you concerning the spirit. Somebody say the spirit. Whom those believing in me would receive. Somebody say receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given yet because Jesus was not glorified. So something happened when Jesus got to the right hand of the Father, something shifted. Somebody say a shift. Something happened 
that Jesus had spent all of his time in his earthly ministry preparing his disciples to carry out the gospel of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the kingdom, and there was an important ingredient to that, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And he said it would come when he has been glorified. Actually, in Luke chapter 24, he said, wait in Jerusalem. How I many you know Luke and Acts are written by the same person? So it's kind of like Luke 1, Acts 1, or Luke 1, uh, and then Acts is kind of like Luke 2, but that's, yeah, Luke the physician wrote it. But anyways, so in Luke chapter 24, it says, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Have you ever, like, I said this to somebody one day. I was working for my dad's company in Pennsylvania. Actually, mom and dad are watching. Hello, I love you. That's for my mom. I was working for my dad's company and I said this to somebody and I was in a conversation and somebody overheard us and this older man came up to me and he said, what is endued? And I'm like this, probably in my early 20s and I'm like, I don't know, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Have you ever said those words in the Bible and, and you really don't know what they mean? So endued, I want, you to, I want you to know what that means. Endued with power from on high. Endued, do you have a favorite outfit? I have this outfit that I wear in the morning. It's actually just a shirt. And my wife tells me to keep, she's like, throw that thing away. You look like you're homeless. But in dude actually means to put on and sink into the clothes. How do you have that comfy set of clothes? Maybe PJs, maybe your favorite pair of jeans. These are not my favorite pair. They're not that comfortable. Anyways, um, You've got that favorite pair of clothes that you wear, and when you put them on, you just kind of like sink into it. Come on, like when I even say that, endued from on high, and the Holy Spirit would endue you with power, he would almost just like sink into you. There's something that is in, uh, missing in your life. There's something that's missing that we are born into sin, separated from God, and the Holy Spirit, when you release and you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it just, Holy Spirit sinks into you. Like your favorite pair of clothes. I put on this sweatshirt on the morning. I put my hood up so I don't have to do my hair and it doesn't look like I got stuck with electricity and I feel like I'm just comfy. Yeah. Somebody said to me the other day, you look like you're actually from Jesus' time when you wear your morning hooded sweatshirt. Like the sleeves are cut off. You know, I can't even use the pocket anymore in the front because anything that goes in it falls out of it. It's like, Poof. Jesus wants that for us. Whatever he puts in us, he wants it to come out of us. Amen. You thought I was just putting that in there because, but there was really a spiritual point to that, but they're not paying attention. All right, but 10 minutes, okay. Endued with power from on high. Jesus said, wait, because there's the promise of the Father that's coming. He also said this in John 7. Actually, I told you, he, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come until he was glorified. John 14, and he said, I will pray to the Father, and I will give to you what? Another comforter. Somebody say another comforter. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father except through the Son. Somebody's got it up front here. Except for through the that's right. So when we're following Jesus' footsteps, when we're doing what he's told us to do, guess what? That's comforting. Okay? Somebody say comforting. But he said, I would give you another comforter. How many of you know we need more comfort? Especially in the days and the ages that we live in. But you're not going to get comfort from the group that's around you. You're not going to get comfort from the social media. You're going to get comfort from following Jesus. And you're going to get another comfort by the Holy Spirit. And he said, I would pray to the Father. And he would send the Holy Spirit as another comforter. If you're feeling lack of comfort, I've got two answers for you. Follow Jesus and get a little bit more of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, um, I'll wait till later. You're good. You're listening now. All right. John 16, he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. To whose advantage? 
our advantage that Jesus went back to the Father because when he did, he said, I've got to depart from you because the helper will come and I will send him. Can I tell you something? We are living in a day and age where God is pouring out of his spirit. Joel declared that prophetically. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he reiterated it. And we live in that period now. Jesus Christ hasn't come back yet. So guess what's happening? God's up there going whoosh on all flesh. And if we'll be in the move of that, I'm not talking about Republican or Democratic. I'm not talking about, and I'm, I'm talking about in the move of what God wants to do. There are going to be people that are going to fall in line with it and keep moving with God. There are going to be people that are going to say, that ain't me. They're all crazy. They got, they're drinking the Kool-Aid, and they're going to go the other direction. But God is separating. Okay. we got to hurry up. We're not halfway yet. Okay. Chapter 5. And John truly baptized you with water. But you will be baptized by Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, not many days. So in Acts chapter 19, uh, Paul comes into Ephesus and he runs into this group of followers of Jesus Christ. And here's what happens. He addresses the baptism of John, which was in water, which was in repentance. That's important. Who's been water baptized? Come on. Who hasn't been water baptized? Okay. You, okay, cool. You didn't need to raise your hand, but we want to baptize. We want to see you baptized. Well, you can raise your hand if you want. Don't, don't be afraid. We want to help you in this. We want to see you water baptized. But what's happened is there's a shift. So Paul comes into this group in Ephesus, and they, they're followers of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, have you, been, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit yet? And they're like, we don't know. What's that? And he said, well, what baptism have you been baptized in? And they said, well, we've been baptized in the baptism of John the Baptist. And he said, okay, that's great. That's the baptism of repentance. How many of you know Jesus was even baptized in obedience to that? He walked in to where John was baptizing on the Jordan River, and John said, no, you're the one that I'm not even worthy to latch your sandal because God told me that the one I see, the dove that descends upon, you're the one. You're going to baptize with the Spirit. So I don't need you to baptize me. I need to baptize you. Does anybody remember that in Scripture? Okay, go home and read that in your own time. So... He, that was the baptism of water. But when Jesus said, when I go back to the Father, baptism's going to change. And now when you are baptized in the New Testament baptism, as Jesus is on the throne, something's going to happen inside of you. The Holy Spirit is going to come inside of you when you are baptized for, uh, of repentance, forgiveness of sins. When you say, God, I'm a sinner, and I need you. Be my Lord and Savior. When you are baptized now, when we do it in water, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's important, you come up and you're Spirit person comes alive. Somebody say alive. alive. Now, the reason why it's important for you to get that is because there's something that happens that we're going to get into in just a few minutes. So just pause because there's an empowerment to accomplish Jesus's ministry and there is the personal cleansing that happens in this. And I'll tell you more about that in my own personal life. Okay, here we go. Real quick, real quick. And therefore, verse six, many of you had come together. Somebody say, come together. So they were gathered there in the Mount of Olives, and I don't think it's ironic. Nothing's, uh, nothing's in the Word of God by coincidence. So they're gathered, and then they say it again because it's almost like Jesus is, is I don't want to say hurting, but he's getting them together, and he's saying, here's where we're going. Right? We're here. We're on the Mount of Olives, and something powerful is about to happen. And then he says they've come together again because he's about to give them some specific instructions on what's to happen in the future. So I believe supernaturally, when we assemble together, assembly is required because something happens where there is a remembrance of yesterday, but there is so much more a hope for what is tomorrow, and it's supernatural, and we can't quite put our finger on it, but be okay with that, and continue to get as many people involved in the assembling as we can, because 
The more we get moving towards what God's doing in the future and remembering what he's done in the past, the better that we will be. Amen? All right. That was for free. That wasn't in my notes. All right. Where am I at? And they came together and they said, Lord, is it at your time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Here's what's happening. These guys are thinking defensively because they're walking. Remember, put yourself in this time. They're walking with the resurrected Jesus Christ. They saw the empty tomb. They saw him get beat on the cross. They, they put him in the tomb. They saw the empty tomb. They're walking with the resurrected, more than alive than you and I are, Jesus Christ. They're like, let's establish your kingdom in, in Israel and we'll defend and, and, and we'll keep it because everybody's gonna believe you. Can you imagine the testimony of this? Like, yeah, he was dead, but he's not anymore. Like, look at his hands. Like, he can actually eat bread and fish and it doesn't just kind of like, like, he's more alive than you and I are. And they said, are you gonna establish your kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know this. And I'm gonna start paraphrasing because we gotta hurry they were thinking defensively, but Jesus wanted them to start thinking offensively because he gives them a mission statement. The disciples were thinking locally, but Jesus was declaring a worldwide campaign. Somebody say campaign, a worldwide campaign that would start, have an epicenter on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Verse seven, and he said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put in his own authority. Somebody say authority. This word actually means in the Greek, power of choice, the liberty to do as one pleases. Guess what? That's God. You don't get to do as you please. When you surrender your life, there's something that happens that is called surrender. Guess what? It's not yours anymore. Can I tell you what I wanted to do was live in Pennsylvania and work for my dad's construction company. Can I tell you what God wanted me to do? Move to California, the land of fruit and nuts. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. Actually, can I be honest with you? When COVID broke out and they shut the schools down, I was like, dad, I'm coming back. And the Lord said, no, you're not. Cause I put you there. And I was like, dad, send me a gun. And he said, no, I'm not. You're going to Psalm 91. And I was like, okay, I'm good with that. His power is by choice and his pleasure is to do it. That's his authority. Guess what? On this hand, it's the seasons and the times. We all wonder as human beings, is it now? Should I go now? Is this my time? Is this my season? Am I coming in? Am I going out? I don't know. That's God's. Your, your ability. Check this out. Because he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Somebody say power. power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word actually is dunamis. We get our word dynamite. It is, this, it is the strength the power, the ability, the force, the miraculous power, the ability, the abundance, the meaning. Can I hear an amen? amen? You're able to work what God wants you to do and to be witnesses to me. Somebody say me. me. Not me, Jesus. Often when we get full of this zeal as a young Christian, we think that our, our ministry is to go. He said you would be witnesses to me. Your ministry never changes. It's to one. That's Jesus Christ. That's it. It's one Jesus Christ. Somebody said to me this morning, hey, are you excited to preach today to the whole world? I said to one. He has a worldwide campaign. He does what only he can do. Our ministry is to one, and he will make it effective to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To one. Your place of ministry is one. He, Jesus, is the one who sends the bat. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. If you want more of Holy Spirit in your life, if you're feeling depleted, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling uncomfortable, go to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I ask you 
You are the one who baptizes in the Spirit. You are the one who fills with Holy Spirit. Fill this earthen vessel. I feel depleted. He's not up there going like, oh, well, do we have any more of that around here? I didn't see a nudge. He's pouring out his spirit into dry places. We're dry. He's pouring it out. If you had somebody rip you whop down the aisle, I've had it happen. I, you know, when you don't see me in here on Sundays, I'm typically having a conversation with somebody who's really mad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I love you. But inside, I'm like, I want to rip your head off. I mean, I'm just being honest. And I have to say, Holy Spirit, help me. Because we're not going to see eye to eye. And I don't want you to leave mad. I want you to leave knowing that you have an opportunity to actually come past whatever you think you're here for, post officer Bodhi Leaf, and come into the presence of God. We're not saying you can't come. Okay, that was free too. All right, dunamis. So here's what happens. When Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have the power. You are empowered to service. Romans 8. 16 said, the spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that we are the children of God. His spirit, capital S, somebody say capital S. We're going back to like, what is this? Elementary, first grade, capital S. He said his spirit, capital S, comes in alignment with your spirit, lowercase s, can never be capitalized, your little spirit, his big spirit, and it says that you are a child of God. If I'm a child, amen, River, and River's my son, and I tell him he has an inheritance. Does it mean it's not his? No. He is a child of mine. There's a legal right that he has to it. There's a physical right that he has to it. There's an emotional right that he has to it. And can I tell you that God has promised us, the Father has promised you many things, and you are his child. And you can't put your finger on it. Don't spend the rest of your life trying to figure out if it should give you goosebumps or not give you goosebumps, if it should knock you down or if it should stand you up. Don't try to figure that out. Just say, God, do whatever you want to do. I'm your child and work out your plans and your purposes in my life. COVID can't stop the plans and purposes of God for your life. COVID can't. This stuff can't stop God's plan. And when you're in alignment with that, what else do you need? If God before you, let the world be against you. Let him try John 1, sorry, 1 John 4 and 4 said, and you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, the false prophets. Man, there's a lot of people saying a lot of false things. Because he who is with you or he who is in you is greater than he that is in this world. Somebody say he that is in me is greater than he, lowercase he, that is in this world. He that is in you is greater than he that's in this world. And the Spirit is the one who reminds us and gives testimony to that. The supernatural things. Now, here's what happens. The, the personal cleansing that will proceed from your life. Can I just give you a testimony real quick? I got one minute. I grew up in a church. My grandfather's a pastor. And I, maybe he preached this. Maybe I didn't understand it. Something didn't click till I was like 20 years old. And all of a sudden, I'm standing there as a young man. Well, maybe sitting, maybe crying. I don't remember my actual posture, but I'm saying I'm a young man and I'm dealing with things I cannot get over in my life. Sins and addictions and all of this stuff. And finally, I came to the place by a question that was given to me by a man who worked for my, dad, my dad's company. And he said, you are not where God wants you to be at. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, go home and start studying on the Holy Spirit. I'm like, what? So I go home, and I want you to know there were things I could not get out of my life. There was sin that I could not get out of my life. But when the Holy Spirit came upon my life, there was something that shifted in my life that, that sin had no more grip. 
There are things in your life that the enemy keeps trying to pull you down, keep you in that rut, but I want you to know something. If you will come to the Father and you will say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for the promise of the Holy Spirit in my life. Get rid of this sin. Get rid of, but did Jesus, when the woman was caught in adultery and they brought her in the very act, and can I tell you there's a lot more to that story than just what's on the surface, but just speaking to the woman that, was, that is in the story, and let's just talk surface. If she was really caught in the act of adultery and Jesus said, where are your accusers? I accuse you not, go and sin no more. He was either lying or there was truth behind that. So I want you to know something in your life. There is a, there is a cleansing, a personal cleansing that will proceed from your life that will be, God wants us to be transparent and vulnerable. I don't have time to go into that. God wants, the music's already playing. God wants a personal cleansing in your life. Acts chapter two and, and Peter, uh, verses 38 and 39, and Peter said to them, repent, and every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and the remission of sins. Somebody say the remission of sins. Repenting and getting the sin out. And he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. For as many as the Lord will call, God is calling you. He doesn't want you to, to, call, to come unto him, repent for your sins, pick them back up and go out. He wants you to come, lay those all down and say, Holy Spirit, fill this vessel. I can't do this on my own. I need something supernatural in my life. I tried for probably 10, 15 years of my life where I tried to get over stuff. I couldn't, I couldn't. I, could. I would even say, God, I want rid of this. When, it's, when I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, Luke eleven thirteen, you who are earthly fathers know how to give to your sons that if they would ask you for a fish or uh, for an egg or for a piece of bread, would you give them a, sorp a, a scorpion or a serpent? No, he wouldn't do that as earthly fathers. Then how much more of your heavenly father would give of the Holy Spirit to those who would ask him? Can I tell you this is here? It's, God's waiting for you to ask him for the Holy Spirit to come into your life and empower you for the mission. Can I tell you, I believe we're living in a period of time. Things, God is sifting things out and the mediocre Christian is, is gonna have a harder time than the one that says, I will be full of the spirit and I will work out the mission that Jesus Christ has for me. If it's in my hospital, if it's in the, the place where I run a business, if it's me leading my employees, if it's me working for my employer, if it's me being a husband or wife, whatever it may be, I will work out the mission of Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit. It's not you that's doing the supernatural part. It's God in you doing the supernatural part. I hope you hear my heart in this today. I wanna to get to this real quick. Are you, what are you watching? Are you watching the social media? Are you watching the news? Are you watching the, the, the what do you, what do you got your eyes on? Because the disciples had their eyes on Jesus Christ. And in the midst of them, here's what happened. They're standing there on the Mount of Olives. Jesus just gave them this, go and wait in Jerusalem until you're done with, uh, the Holy Spirit comes on you with power. And all of a sudden, he was ascended up. What happened that was so important? Remember Elijah and Elisha? Remember Elisha had to keep his eyes on Elijah as he went away, because if he didn't, the second double anointing, the double portion wouldn't fall on his life, the mantle. He wouldn't receive the double mantle. Do you remember this? And they said, they tried to distract him. They tried to come over here, Elisha, come over here. You know, just let Elijah go, let Elijah go. He said, no, I've got to watch my master. I've got to watch my master. And in his sight, when Elijah was taken up, Elisha received the double portion anointing. Can I tell you that God wants to do what we've seen? Jesus Christ said, greater works would you do? Greater works would you do? 
Why? Because the disciples saw him ascend, and there was an anointing that came on that day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and said, on your young and your old and social, uh, social indifferences are torn, thrown away, all of those, your manservants, your maidservants, the Spirit would pour out on all of those. So there was a sight that they had to see because their testimony was built, not only that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, not only that Jesus Christ was crucified, not only was Jesus Christ buried in a tomb. Not only was he resurrected and they found an empty tomb. Not only did he live with them for 40 days and walk and eat and talk and give them testimony, but now he was ascended. He isn't here anymore. He isn't here anymore. He's at the right hand of the father so that you could pray and you could have a, you could assemble with him so that you could assemble with one another and not be afraid because no weapon in hell, no, the gates of hell will not prevail when you assemble together. Come on. It's a spiritual thing that's happening. They had to see him go, and he went into a cloud. Guess what God did with the cloud in the Old Testament? He led the Israelites. Again, God's prophetic word affirms. Remember on the day of Transfigurate, Mount of Transfiguration? Who showed up? Moses and Elijah. There's types of that, even in this little snippet of Scripture, that there was a second, there's a, there's a pouring out that God wants to do in our lives. The greater works would we do. Jesus Christ is alive and ascended. You know, I just saw that they are continuing to find evidence that Noah's ark has been found. So that attests, that attests that the Bible's true. So if the Bible's true, they can't find Jesus. And guess what they still haven't found yet? A tomb that's got his name on it. Come on, he's ascended. The disciples went and turned the world upside down with knowing that Jesus Christ has ascended. And he's coming back the same way that he, he left. Are we following the cloud? Are we assembling together? Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, comfort us, and teaching us? Here's what I want to do. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. But I want to pray. I want to pray. For those of you today that you may not know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the invitation to do that. Because I think that we are headed into some times that are, that are definitely not what we knew as normal. And I think that we need to be a church that not only knows that we are a child of God through Jesus Christ, but full of the Holy Spirit. Can I pray for you today? If you would say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm a child of God. I don't know if I'm a part of God's family. Jesus Christ has come so that you can be a part of God's family. But I want you to know something today. When you confess today that Jesus Christ be my Lord and be my Savior, I want you to believe with me that all of a sudden your spirit person who was disconnected and dead now becomes alive in Christ Jesus. It's like Pastor Phil said. He said, you know what? I thought that I was gonna change. I looked in the mirror and I said, what happened? And he said, but nothing changed physically, but something happened in my knower. He calls it his knower. In the deepest place of me, I knew that something had changed. That's what God has for you that you would know inside of your knower, that no argument, the worst argument, could not disprove what you know inside of you. So if that's you today, if you'd wanna pray, I wanna pray for you and make this your prayer. It could be you online, you could be watching with us, you could be outside, make this your prayer. Heavenly Father, pray after me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come before you as a sinner. I repent, I turn from my sins, my wicked ways, and I turn towards you, Jesus Christ. Be my Lord, be my Savior, I give you my life. I surrender to you, Jesus Christ. You are Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, 
for making me alive in you. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Can I just pray for those of you? Maybe you're going through something. Maybe you need another comforter. Can I tell you, since that day, December 24th, 2001, I have daily asked, Holy Spirit, I need more of you. How many of you know you never stopped eating food? You're still eating, you get hungry. Can I tell you, your spirit man is hungry. Your spirit person is hungry. Why have you stopped asking God for more of his Holy Spirit? Why? Maybe because we religiously think that we, you know, once is enough? No. So I wanna pray for you today. Maybe you're saying, I need comfort. Maybe it's I need courage, whatever it is. As I'm praying for you, I'm gonna declare some things, but I want you, in your own words, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I need more of the comfort. I need more, and just ask him for it. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come and I pray, Lord, not because it's anything that I had the ability to do, but God, because I believe in you, and I believe that you said that where we are together, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're in our midst, and I pray and I believe with them, Lord. Lord, it, their faith, my faith, Lord, most importantly, combined with the faith of the resurrected Jesus Christ, Lord, we ask you, the one who can give Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask for Holy Spirit in this place. We ask for Holy Spirit in our hearts. Lord, we ask for Holy Spirit in our homes. We ask for more Holy Spirit. Pour out as you are, God. We pray for a supernatural alignment right here in Anaheim Hills. Lord, that the authorities, they wouldn't be able to put their finger on it, but it's Holy Spirit pouring out, God. We hunger for you, Lord. Prepare us for your second coming, Jesus Christ. Lord, we need more of you comfort, more of you leader, more of you counselor, more of you guide. Holy Spirit, we need more of you. Come and fill every heart in this place, God. I agree with them, Lord, as they make personal prayers. God, I thank you that you hear them. You, Father God, hear them. You said you hear the cry of the desperate heart. God, we cry out for more of you, Lord. In Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Man, we could just have church all day. That's all right. You can online. Here's what I want you to do. God wants to go with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We're going to sing a song in just a minute, and I want you to make this your song. Every time we come together, if we come together with the expectation that God, we will thank you for what's behind us, and we will look forward in expectation for what's ahead of us, Holy Spirit will meet us with that. He will. He will. If you come into this way, and the thing I love about this the thing I love about the season that we're in are there is a deeper expectation and a hunger by God's people. The ones who are playing games, but the ones who are for real, and that can be for you here, for you outside, for you online. I'm not saying that those are the, those are the contingencies. Just stay hungry for God.